Good evening, friend. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers. I am joined once again, as always, by the one and only Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? Hey, that's me. That's me. That's me. <laughs> I know that guy. Hey, woohoo! How was uh, how was your weekend? Did you... It was famous. It was famous. Famous. I, I, I made headlines in Scotland. We were over there, and uh, you looking for a hit? We were, yeah, we were looking some for heroin. Hit, heroin. From <laughs> I could not find Obi Wan Kenobi anywhere. You couldn't. I was a little disappointed. You couldn't find Obi Wan or Merida. No, nope, or, or Sherlock Holmes, or Sherlock Holmes. Oh, that was the worst. <laughs> Man, what a, what, or, a, what a bust. Or uh, um, Mr. Mr. Gold, Rumpelstiltskin. Uh, Rumpelstiltskin. All right, all right. I think that's well. All so I it did. I did have Scottish weather though, because it was uh, oh. rainy and cold here. The rain was camping. coming straight oh, down, or a little to the side, yeah. like. A little to the side leg. That's a Braveheart reference. I, I know that one. Well, you said Scottish <laughs> weather. That's the line. That... Right, right. Um, which yeah, I like it that was movie. it was overcast like and rainy yesterday. I mean, it's a for many years was a beloved classic. I think it it's been at least ten years since I've seen it, but I guarantee you it holds up better than Highlander. So uh... <laughs> it definitely does, for sure. The um, so. The the cold wet rain was a perfect time a perfect time to happen this weekend because of course that's when I went camping all weekend so yeah I dealt with that it actually wasn't as terrible as as um, I thought because it was it's cold I mean it was cold but I mean cool is the thing yeah. like on Friday it was just cool um, which you know you bring lots of stuff to to cover up with and and I had plenty of blankets and so it was nice and to sleep in you know when you've got that cool weather and Oh yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, and then you spend most of the night with um, around the campfire, which is great because you don't want, when it's hot in the summer, and you have the fire, you really don't want the fire because it's too much. Yeah. Um. So having having that wonderful warm fire is is really really great, and everybody kind of it's like seven or eight families that go, so we're all kind of you know in a big circle around it and blocking the wind type stuff. And yeah, the, it was that was really great, and and then we knew it was going to rain on. Uh, Saturday evening, the the cool weather also keeps hiking fun, so it's not too much. Um, and then we made like a shanty town in advance, like a shanty town with tarps and hovering, and hmm. it was crazy uh, for the night. And it was good. I played uh, several new games. One thing like it's called Mind Game or something. Yeah, I don't know if we talked about this in the air, but I dug out uh, Lord of the Rings LCG again. Because oh yeah, we, no, we, but we've been I it's know been sitting been here, and I, I had a couple, you know, a month or so ago. I had a, you know, just a kind of hankering to play, and I'm like, yeah, I haven't taken that out in a while, and I couldn't find the table I was using, so I actually went on Amazon and bought a new, you know, big, big TV tray kind of table, um, mm-hmm. and then it sat for a while, and then I was in the middle of um, the second, second or third Shadows of Mirkwood quest, um, conflict at the Carrick. Which is one of the yeah, that's... I found is one of the most difficult, and I was actually playing it on easy. I took out all the um, elite cards from the encounter deck and still yeah. could not do it. Like I had my original deck, which was like a it was a deck I made for Gen Con that has a bunch of like ranged and sentinel stuff, so it's designed yeah. to be played with another player. It's not a solo deck, and so I rebuilt my original solo deck and lost with that. And I was like, okay, I got to do something different. And I went on and I went on RingsDB, which is a site where people post up their decks, and found one that a guy did 
for a video, right? He's doing a let's play mm -hmm. and lost with his deck. And I'm like, this deck doesn't work. Why the heck is Wandering Took in here? That's a, a multiplayer card. Like, that's not for a solo deck. And mm -hmm. I ran across the one deck, the one the, the podcaster came up with that can beat any scenario. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I wonder what cards I'm missing from this. You know, if I have all the cards to do this, this build, because I have the important ones. The important ones are um, the Elrond hero card and his ring, Vilia. It's, you know, the elves that were given rings yeah. of power. That's one of the rings. Um, mm -hmm. It lets you exhaust both the ring and Elrond to draw a card off your deck. And then you can play that card for free. Oh, nice. And so you you build the deck with a lot of draw so that you can get that ring. And then you fill the deck with powerful heroes. And then you also have a couple of like, um, I have one hero that lets me search the top five cards of my deck for an attachment. I have, I have one that lets me rearrange the top five cards. And I have one that lets me draw the top three cards and swap one with a card from my hand. So if I accidentally draw Gandalf or something, and I have that other hero or ally, I can put Gandalf back in my deck so that I can play him for free. It's all See, it's this, all about manipulating sounds, that mechanic. Well, that's what I said. It sounds like the, 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 the big mechanic that drives me nuts about that game, but it's also a solid thing about the game, is that is the, the economy is insanely tight. It's very like tight. You have... You barely have any enough money to get anything. You are going to get cards in your hand that you will never play. Well, so sometimes, as exciting as and it then, is, you're like, I'm never going to get that out. Right, you know? right. And then, you know, like, the deck that I normally played when I first got the game had <clears throat> um, Aragorn and Steward of Gondor. This deck has Steward of Gondor, too, except there's no leadership hero. So unless you draw Steward of Gondor with the, um, with the, the Vilya action... You can't play it because you don't have any. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. Is that it sounds like that deck is built around like, okay, this is a terrible mechanic that makes it really difficult to actually play cards. Let's find the way around it, which is to not pay for the the things. <laughs> sure, sure. And it, right. I mean, it has the the thing that would happen to me in my original deck is that once I started getting a lot of allies out, I would have cards in my hand that I didn't need or want to play like i was saving them for reactions mm -hmm. to things and I actually would end up with a surplus of resources because if you have steward of gondor that hero gets three every round instead of two or instead of one right. uh anyway i set up i set up a version of that deck using the heroes that i had um i have elrond and tactics aon and i replaced um I think it's the Arwen hero goes with it. And I don't have her, um, but instead I used uh, Dunhiri, who can attack um, enemies in the staging area because I knew I was going to have to attack those stupid trolls in this Carrick quest. Mm -hmm. And so I did that, and it was easy. And I was like, oh, I'm still playing on easy without the elite cards. I should try mm -hmm. it again normally. And so instead of setting up the deck and playing with the actual game... I went into Tabletop Simulator and rebuilt my exact deck. Like, I could have built the oh, yeah. normal one deck because all the cards are in Tabletop Simulator, but I wanted to have the same deck I have. Like, I don't want to play sure. with cards I don't own. That's weird. Right. You know, just, I also still wanted to test 
my deck against the normal version yeah, of this of quest. Course. That's kind of the, the fun about that game is you right. have your cards and yeah. And uh, I mean, it's different. It's it's different than uh, uh, other games that aren't LCGs because you know, oh, I'll never be able to get that rare card. But in the, in these living card games, you you do have. You know, it's not hard to get a card. Yeah, they're not all you kind of want to play with yours. They're not all available in retail all the time because they have so many right. expansions. But they do cycle through. Right. Like the the so, Kazut Dune, the first big box expansion is now in print again. Right. So that that game's more about playing with the deck that you like or that's your your stuff that your strategy as opposed to. Like, yeah, I mean, people do all kinds of stuff. Awesome they're like, card. they're like, oh, I like to. I like to play dwarf decks. So like I like to play hunter yeah. trap decks. I like to play all hobbit decks. Like you know, it's yeah. people can do themes like that and try to get cards um, that work together yeah, because of the lore. Like Steward of Gondor right. is really strong; it gives you two free resources every round. But thematically, you're like who do you attach it to? I always attach it to Aragorn. Well. Aragorn's the rightful king. How can he also be the steward of Gondor? That doesn't make any <laughs> sense. And, you know, if you think about it from a lore perspective, it. but that's a thing you can do in this game because there's, you have access to all the cards. Yeah. And, and you know, that's funny. We're, we're, we're on a year at least, right? That you, since you got into the LCG thing, um, I, I don't want to go into it, but you were really, really curious about the difference between, you know, I know you were timid about getting into card games in general with the whole, like, oh, my God, magic. Right. Um, and anything else, basically. And then the LCG was a different kind of thing. And you're like, mm, I'll give it a go. And you did. What I would like to do is, and I do do sometimes, is that, like, let's buy a whole bunch in one shot and just do this. Right. And now now you're here a year on playing it and still, you know, it sounds like a pretty good choice, right? It wasn't like a... Uh, magic where you get into it and like okay here i am ten thousand dollars later <laughs> right well it it being back. solo playable makes the big difference there right like yeah for sure right you know it's everybody's over keyforge right or at mm -hmm. least i've not heard anybody talk about it but i spent like i don't know 20 bucks buying a couple decks of keyforge and i played with them and it was fun and that's fine if we don't play oh, again a, like it's that that was just a trotsky game that was a yeah. like you know mike mike picks games that, that are are amazingly fun for 10 minutes and then you're like okay that's done <laughs> you know that's just that's just how he that's just his his game yeah and choices. and i mean most card games keyforge is not this way but most card games are built for longevity you know i mm -hmm. i had this discussion with pete earlier this week he was complaining about legendary and i'm like every you know from Magic on, like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, all of the other trading card games, all the living card games, all the games like Smash Up and Legendary and Dominion and Ascension, mm -hmm. like any deck builder, any game that's all cards seems to be, and that's big, that's not, you know, Love Letter or um, Sushi Go oh, yeah. or something that's just a small self-contained thing, survives on this on this legacy of expansions. Like, they keep adding content and adding new mechanics and new seasons and you know it's the same thing for, in for, Hearthstone. for me that's a selling point i i mean it really is a selling point for me i when i play a game and i enjoy it i i want to be able to say that like at some point i'll get bored with the base kind yeah, of thing you want it to and, stay fresh right i absolutely you know love with legendary i don't play legendary much anymore but I, it was great before that kind of a thing Ooh, i can add my favorite Fantastic Four. They're not. <laughs> I mean, if I wanted to, I could. Right, oh, right. now I can play with these characters, and you know, they 
especially Fantasy Flight or or, or Upper Deck, they, they give you a full game in the game. It, they never try to – some of these game companies will give you, like, a shell of a game and then start shelling out expansions. Right. But most good games will have a fully-fledged game, and then the expansions will just – are they just built to have expansions, which is great. Sure, yeah. sure. Speaking of Fantasy sure. Flight, have you seen any of the stuff for their new Lord of the Rings game? Yeah, I was I was going to all the way through this conversation was going to see if we trans- <laughs> transition over to that. Is that. There are a couple things that, that new one that really intrigue me about that. Um, it's Fantasy Flight, so I know that they mm-hmm, make mm-hmm. good games and learn from their mistakes and make better mm-hmm. games. Um, two, it's single player. I mean, it's got single player. It on does it. have solo mode. Um, mm-hmm. It looks vaguely like Gloomhaven with Lord of the Rings lore, which is always a plus for me. I'm not a huge yeah. Lord of the Rings fan, but I'm, you know, slightly above average, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, compared to some of, you know, strangely, a couple of our friends are apathetic or actually uh, anti-Lord of the Rings, which is kind of baffling to me That's in a nerd kind of context. But, um, and they're doing this companion app thing, which I know puts a lot of people off. But for me, playing a game like Gloomhaven and going, man, I, I wish I had an app. To, and the same thing with Lord of the Rings. I'm like, I need something to do some of this uh um system maintenance is what it is maintenance admin uh there's accounting that's the word i was looking for um for me and so that looks cool they're also using a lot of the art from the living card game that they you know already commissioned which is cool Mm -hmm. i think a lot of the art in this game is really nice It it is pretty great um i appreciate that they didn't just you know use photos from the movies like it happens with so many things for so long right um well it's been what like 15 years now that people probably don't even know those characters (laughs) (laughs) right right um well the the this this has our group has been and we're hitting a really hard point here with gloomhaven that we are very done kind of with kind of burnt out on it well it's not just burnt out it we we have played it long enough to see its flaws yeah and and the biggest flaw of it is that it doesn't have an ending. It's it's made to just kind of be a, a world that you play in. Oh. And it, it has stories, but they're kind of like missions, right? Like you you go yeah. out, you do this thing, and it's not like there's one villain that you're going through. And you, it's like a campaign. That's kind of how and the Pathfinder like, game felt, right? Like yes. It's just, it's just, a just a, one quest after another. Right, and, and then the the whole retiring mechanic, which initially was really kind of interesting and, and fun, and it still kind of is, you you quickly learn that like, oh, I retired my character. You don't have to level the max up, and sometimes it's painstakingly annoying to get to the next levels that like you get a minor, uh, minor upgrade for, uh, and then you're kind of like, well. The missions are just missions again. I'm just going to go and play the same kind of thing with imps fighting me again. And it's just so it's kind of very the same. Well, right? I mean, I mean, what did we say when when we first got it first talk? It's like a video game in board game format. And yeah. all of that stuff is very video game. You play an MMO and there's no end. There's no right. like there's an end. There's the max that you can go for now until the next expansion comes out or the next raid opens up Um, right but if you play but we i guess we were looking at things like even risk legacy or and especially pandemic Pandemic. it has it's a story you play through it yeah 
Yeah, and you have consequences, and you open up boxes, and things change, and, and whatever. This game doesn't really change. I mean, you will unlock a new area, but that's not a big deal. There's like five. After you play like five games, there's five hundred different places you can go, and they really sure. don't make any difference where you go to them. It's mm. it, so so the game just feels like it's like Diablo. Of, yeah, it's just random things, and you're playing your character this week. Um, and then the other thing is, is that. You know, let's say I wanted whatever your goals might be to unlock a box or whatever. You can't really choose that. You can't be like, "Ooh, I want to go towards the sun box. It's just I randomly got yeah. a personal quest that randomly has <laughs> open five swamps that I don't know if I randomly am going to get swamps. So right. it's not like a thing. You, so anyway, the, the whole point of this is that it's it's gotten we're really like this is it's lame i guess is the word and that's sad for the gloomhaven because it is you're just, probably one you're of just the burning best out on it it's like there. i mean people say that about all kinds of different games like i've heard this about diablo a lot people are like you know when i first i played it for like a month when it was new and then i got to a point where i was like this is kind of hard to play and also boring now and also boring that's and big, like yeah. they've changed the game a lot since then but it is not a game that i'm going to play every day right. but every couple months couple years whatever right well i guess i come back into it and i play it and i'm like yeah this nice kind of i don't have to think too much about strategy i think you guys are just burned out on it like you might play something else for a while and come back to it you might not and if you don't that's fine too but yeah well the the big the thing is here we were spoiled with the fact with pandemic season one pandemic season one just a straight linear story and like the mechanics drastically change sometimes from one month to the next Right, and yeah. you and you felt Very like you dynamic. had you had control over a lot of those changes. Like oh, we're going to let Asia fall. We made that choice, and this game ends up being ours. Mm-hmm. And and then you know there's an end. That's like oh, we've got to do X, Y, or Z before month ten. We just feel it because month ten. So it had a it had an ending, and this one doesn't. So we're we're looking for my my the long of this pointless kind of thing I've been droning on about. Is that you guys are going to you know, try looking, this Lord of the Rings game? This Lord of the Rings, and it's got it seems to have like a storyline ish. A couple it. It things, like even if you lose or win, the story continues, and you have yeah, the story effects. keeps moving. I watched the Man vs. Meeple review, and mm-hmm. the two things that sound to me like will appeal to at least some of the group down there is that idea of unlike Gloomhaven, unlike to a lesser extent Pandemic Legacy. If you fail a mission, you just keep going. And because there's no book, because they're using an app, um, you just go to some different scenario and you make some different choices because you failed at your at your previous mission. And I know well, it, it depends because the, the thing I can see happening right away is people saying it doesn't matter whether we win or lose. Like if it matters, then that'll be good. Sure. Like yeah. If, it depends it on what on the consequences like you... are. And I don't I don't know about right. that. Um, I know also that. Just like the living card game, just like the app version of the living card game, not tabletop simulator, but the actual game app. I expect this will be pretty hard. Now, maybe if you have Pete and Pat and Zahn and Trotsky all in the same group, like maybe it won't actually be that hard compared to like me trying to play a game solo. But, uh, um, you know, I know that that challenge, that difficulty is something that those guys crave. So. Yeah, I, I think I think it's definitely really highly likely that might be our next big game. Um, right now, where it's the funny the funny thing about this is one of those first world problem things mm-hmm. is that we have two groups playing Gloomhaven. It's that 
a lot of times we will kind of feel each other out for is this group ending? Is this group? And then we'll play games until the other, we kind of match up when we're ready to, you know, start, start a new, new games, new big game, and then yeah. we'll mix groups up depending on what our interests are. Um, like if some of us are jonesing for jonesing for Imperial Assault, well, four of us will. Okay, we're going to go play that. The other one will, and it just kind of works that way. So I think our group now is the other group is done. They're just kind of keep. It's funny. It feels like they're looking at us. Like they're just looking across the room. Like because we're still playing. Well, yeah. When you guys split into two groups, you were doing pandemic, and so it was like, yeah, you'd get through the year of the chapter, and then you're done, or the season, whatever it's called. Where you know, yeah, I could see that also being a source of frustration with Gloomhaven having no end. No end. So, and and I know that like Trotsky wants to play it two or three more times and so anyway it's it's petering out and i think that uh we're we're gonna probably hit that next one i went to i looked at that game and i almost pulled the trigger on buying it i think it's like 65 dollars or something like that it's not Um, terribly expensive compared to like gloomhaven or gloomhaven's only 100 bucks it's only like 40 bucks difference it's down to 100 gloomhaven was 150 for the first year oh that's true that's true that's true well it, it um i almost did and then as soon as it was in matter of fact, it was in my cart. And then before I did it, I was like, kid braces. Yeah. You, you gave me that list of, of financial inconveniences before we started recording. I can see that being a major deterrent to, uh, to buying a new big board game, especially since Trotsky's probably going to buy it. He's going to buy it. We're going to play it. Well, the, the, the draw for me on some of these things, and it was for Gloomhaven too. And it, it still could someday be for Gloomhaven is that, um, I can play this solo, and that's a that's kind of a thing because I do. I, I don't think I pulled out um, the Lord of the Rings card game as much as you have, but I do. Ha- it's in my living room underneath the TV. I mean, sorry, underneath the, our living room table, like where I keep the games that we regularly play, because that way I can just pull it out, you know. And yeah, I and mean, like, I like the single solo occasionally. You, you play a lot more games in person with other people than I do, so yeah, right. I mean. The Lord of the Rings stayed in the box since last Gen Con. Like, our experience playing at Gen Con was so kind of underwhelming that uh, I did that not was. I did not have the motivation to pull it out and set it up until that, a I will say ago. that was that was very underwhelming. And I know that uh, who was it? Was it David that brought it back up uh, about us playing again? No, I did because him? I was looking was at events you? for for Gen Con. And the problem was the event where in years past the event has been just another scenario pack just like all the other ones and so you get together and share strategies and maybe play whatever this was a special pvp module and it's mm-hmm. just like it's like the opposite of the hero realms ruins of thandar like if you are a person a group of people who play this game a lot and you've played through all the scenarios or at least all the scenarios that you own all the quests like scenarios whatever it doesn't matter um and you know you want to try it's like sort of pvp but not really because one person sets up the scenario and the other person takes it on um it's just a an advanced way of playing and i don't think andrew had not played it at all david had played it maybe once and you and i had played it a handful of times and we're like this is not for us at all (laughs) Well, it was such a different thing than what the game is actually. I mean, I know they were doing it. It's like an expansion that just adds this one mechanic that people might be asking for, but not everybody. Right. And and it's just the way it was. I the I had played the Lord of the Rings Living Card Game twice at Gen Con before that, mm. and in their things, and it was completely different. My other yeah. two experiences. My other two experiences that these 
special decks they would release only for the con were event decks. And both times they were like, okay, meant to be played with four groups, four full groups. And right. they all affect each other. And that's what this one deck is for, which was super fun and exciting. And I, we got our asses, all the groups got their asses kicked every time. But it was really <laughs> neat and unique. And you have this neat deck that you you know yeah, can't get anywhere I th- else. I think just to sort of wrap up that topic, I'll I'll read into it a little bit more and see if it's going to be like last year or like you know years previous. Maybe just you and I will play because I don't right. think my brothers are really interested in it at all. Right, and, uh, I don't blame them at all. I I, I think I was also reading on the forums goes. with that one is that they they've increased the price like by ten bucks, and mm. the the only explanation is that. It's 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 supply and demand, and and they're pretty open with it. Sure, and it's like hey, we have lots of people, and we can charge it. Yeah, um, I mean, and they raise the yeah. they raise the the badge price for the con by a tiny amount every year, and it's always so crowded. I'm like, can we? This is yeah. a super elitist thing for me to say, but I'm like, just double it. Like, yeah, the the, the people that really want to go, like me and and whoever, like, will still pay it, and maybe it won't yeah. be. Uh, won't be quite as crowded like i don't want to exclude people that's not what i'm saying but uh no i i actually i'm i think that they're they're at a fine number now i i like the spectacle of all the people but the, the, seriously if if they want to raise prices i'm okay with that it's yeah. yeah it'll hit me in a wallet and that'll be a thing but you know what i have we all have to justify things yeah and it's, i know that i mean as long as they're as long as they're still selling out like of course why would you why would you not raise the price like everything gets more expensive every year well for years they like you said they've been doing this and i know for years i've talked to many people playing random people playing from games from all over the world and my biggest memory is playing D &D with somebody who was from england and him and his uh like his best friend and their sons something came over Mm. and but on this trip and they're like yeah we we do this this is our trip and he's like seriously the badge is a hundred dollars we spent yeah. several thousand dollars <laughs> to get cost, over here yeah that's it, nothing their, their flight cost over a grand adding another 20 bucks to the badge price is nothing yeah one night at a hotel is 250 bucks and you're complaining about a hundred dollar badge i had that conversation with fox because he is now that he's working for lrm online he got mm-hmm. a press badge and he's going to be reviewing games and right. so he's going to be buying and taking home more stuff than normally. And he's trying to figure out like how to move stuff on the plane. And he's like, maybe I'll, you know, if he get if he tries to get it shipped, he has to stay until Monday because everything will be closed on Sunday. And I'm like, okay, how much is it going to cost you to ship it compared to the cost to check a bag at the airport? Plus, what's it going to cost you to stay another night somewhere? Like the the extra cost to to check more bags even though that's not something i ever recommend to anybody who travels um right. i'm like this is probably the more economical option if that's where you're uh yeah yeah the the well the long short of it is that you know gen con's great it the, i'm good on them for for selling as much as they have a great program and a great thing that they put on yeah. and if they can make money off of it more money that's great i mean we'll be you know? we'll be talking about gen con a lot by the time we record again event registration day will have will have come and gone and we'll have yeah i'm sure we'll next, more to next talk week about that there. will be will be a lot well the 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 thing is, is that you know how much money we i pay for the nosebleed seats to go to an nfl game <laughs> right you know that's and the, i get four full days of games that's the comparison yeah. right 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 i mean Pete, yeah it's 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 fine it, yeah. it's a thing it is oh. all right let's yeah. uh let's talk about this week's movie mm-hmm. 
This was an interesting thing. This is The Truman Show Mm -hmm. with Jim Carrey from 1998. Is that correct? 98, yep. 98. Uh, I will say, to lead off on this, that I I was kind of open with you a little bit. It was like, The Truman Show, you would say. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) Not that I hated it. I just didn't give it the... You know, everyone loved it and it kept talking when it was out. I remember it being like, oh, this is a Jim Carrey breakout role because up to that point he had only done. Yeah, you had, you had said that. And then I looked at his um, uh, filmography and aside from Liar Liar, which still was kind of goofy, his other movies were like Dumb and Dumber. Um, I don't know. I don't have the list. Uh, Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura 2. Um, yeah, they like were just, all, and he'd been on Saturday, and it was not Saturday Night Live, he was on, like, In Living Color and his, stuff. The know? Batman movie he was in, where he was, um, the Joker. The Riddler. The Riddler, I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, all of he that goofy stuff. Not, and so, not terrible, he was just goofy, he was just who he was. Yeah. So, so doing the Truman Show was a big thing that had an actual, like, story and a thing to pay attention to, and it got everyone, critic and fans alike, look, and I was very much like, when, when I watched it, I got the, it's the same thing now. As you watch it, he still has his Jim Carrey mannerisms. Sure, of course. He He's does. still him. And, the, right. you know, the, the stuff that made him funny in comedies is are still aspects of his style, his voice. Um, yeah. And, and the way he moves and acts, you know, it's like super goofy. So I was, when I watched this originally, I remember thinking like this, oh, it's just him, guys. It's, it's still... They've got other people around him in a story, but it's still just putting Jim Carrey in here. Yeah, so you um, you had a you had a case of um, overhyped expectations. Yeah. Well, I didn't care for it and for going into it, and didn't care for it coming out of it. Now watching it again, I will say I have a much better appreciation for the movie. Yeah. Um, I really do, and it's probably just a an age thing that now I can see a lot of kind of the bigger picture of a lot mm-hmm. of this. And I can see past Jim Carrey. <laughs> right, and, right. It's, and that's important. It's not... It's hard to say that the movie's not about him, but it kind of is. Um, I... So this movie came out in 98. It's pre-The Matrix. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the really? very... It's in the very early days of the internet still. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... Probably pre what we call reality TV. I don't know what the. Oh, it's not. No, it was because uh, um, it close. It was right at the right at the beginning of the boom of that because Survivor was already out. Survivor we was seeing, out. I couldn't uh, remember in the in the timeline of when I started college when I first heard about Survivor and was like, that sounds lame. And yeah, real um, world, the real world, which is kind of what really kicked off a lot of the stuff. Sure, the real world. I think the real world. That's probably one of the biggest 90s, ones when yeah. I got it. And that was when I, I was in middle one. school, I think. Yeah. So that's like 90, if you want yeah. to give a, a thing. So that it's it had been a good decade when these reality things, and that's when Hollywood but decided to spin still, a script, you know? But still in the early days, right? Like, sure, yeah, compared to... It, it was not in the mainstream consciousness. And so any of these movies with like a big kind of what-if kind of thing, like, you know, The Matrix was this big phenomenon because it was this first like what if we're living in a simulation we would have no way of knowing kind of kind of things and this is you know it's that sort of on a smaller scale um the thing is tv came out at the same time of this these are two rival things and they were right about reality tvs yeah 
This one was about he didn't know, and the other one is they did know. So, but he they were both know, speaking and it, to, and it ruined his you know, his family and all of that stuff. Yeah, both of them were. I think both of these two movies, and I will not talk about ATV because it is not <laughs> half as. This one's not great, and this was not like a masterpiece, but this that one was terrible. Um, but they were still both at the same time launching as a speaking to the world about you know watching people on TV. Right. And what is is that a good thing? What are we as audiences and the participants and stuff? By the way, jumping quickly to the end, I thought the the last scene was phenomenal because mm. it was it, the last shot of the whole scene is the guys that are like the security guards, like, hey, you want another slice? Yeah, uh, okay, oh. something the channel, <laughs> right, right, yeah. And that was the movie. They just yeah. switched and didn't even care. Yep, like that's perfect. This you know so much about this guy's life and the drama and you feel it and everyone's into it and you're watching it. And then it's like, yeah, okay. That's, that's just a show. And that's well, kind of what they were saying. And right? in the, in the way that I do, you know, I don't, I don't think that this movie had a major impact on cinema, but I could not help, but consider it in the context of time. You know, I was asking myself, what would this look like if it were made today? If it, mm-hmm. you know, you shift the whole timeline forward 20 years well mm. maybe you've then you've got you've got tiers of feed right like you'd have the normal rated pg truman show feed but if you're you know a patreon subscriber or whatever <laughs> you can actually see like him taking a shower or sleeping with his wife or whatever kind of and then it becomes a little more like uh kind of creepy i mean this is right this is a weird I mean, kind of psychologically general, challenging right? story for a movie that's rated PG. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I so wondered... much, uh, so much gaslighting, right? Right. Like the whole, the whole setup is is all gaslighting. Right. Well, the the thing that they talk about a little, there's a lot, there's a lot in this movie. Okay, so we could literally talk too much about the interesting parts of this movie, but sure. I, I will say, I want to say. The fact that the first half of the movie does sprinkle in some outside world, but barely, hardly at all, is really well done. Like, I keep wanting the whole first half of the movie thinking about, what. T- show me people behind the scenes. Show me more of the, what's happening out here. And they just kind of focused on him. And every once in a while, they'd hop out to someone watching a TV. Right. But but not often. And then all of a sudden, about I'm almost right at the midpoint, they go into the interview where they're interviewing the the, the director. Christoph. Then, yeah, it's okay. that kind yeah. of – I mean, we saw this a lot in – we've seen this in a lot of these movies, especially – well, I was going to say sp- especially in the 80s and 90s, but also some of the old classic Hitchcocks or whatever where a movie starts out and it goes through the whole first act without any without any exposition, without any setup or explanation. Um I think if you You're go just in this thing. Yeah, if you go into this movie and you sit down, you know the premise to start with. Like yeah. they don't expl- I think they expected you to know that. They explain some more stuff later, but they also don't and this is a thing that that you know I kept sort of questioning as I was watching it. I was like they have not shown us any of the the boring like he's supposed to be 30. So this show has been on the air for 30 years. Right. And for a whole like I don't know 7 8 years when he was a teenager and 
his whole like he works a job selling insurance like he works this incredibly boring job and so mm-hmm. people have been watching him go to work and work this boring job for at least seven or eight years right they don't show you any of that the movie starts with a um with a light a stage light falling out of the sky right, right. And so you're like okay here's the now he's he's questioning he's questioning his reality you know he's getting gaslighted by his best friend and you know you're obviously um another thing that sort of bothered me is a lot of the writing is good but some of the writing is very heavy-handed um uh laura linney's whole character is just written to be completely unsympathetic right and that happens a lot in romantic movies because this is sort of a romantic story right with him and um the girl uh yeah, his high school uh, crush. Natasha, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. She's on right. uh, Designated Survivor. Right. Um, and so, of course, they're setting up the other woman, who is his wife, sort of. But also, you know, it's this weird, like, what's real, what's not. Um, right. And she's very, like, she's constantly doing product placements in the in the most, like, unsubtle way that you've ever seen. Um, right. And... And all of that stuff. And then, then you have this uh, Ed Harris character, which is like, I think it felt more tongue-in-cheek to me now than it did to me watching it, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Right. Um, I mean, he's even wearing the backwards. He's hat, wearing the backwards of. beret. And right. they're like, oh, he's he brought the father back. And they're in the interview and they're like, how are you going to explain his his 20 year absence and 25 year absence? And he's like uh, amnesia. And they're like, oh, brilliant genius. And I'm like, that is not genius. Even a little right. bit. That's the most right. basic soap opera plot twist that anyone's ever heard. Right. Um, but I can well, the interesting thing when I saw that kind of a stuff, I kept thinking, you know, you know what? To Truman. That is normal. Like his True. everything. Yeah. I, yeah. I, something. I, the more interesting thing about this show is that you can sit back afterwards and have all kind of interesting thoughts about, you know, all sorts of stuff. The boring things you, you just mentioned, like his boring job. OK, well, for us, we could have jobs for 10, 15 years or we could some of us have jobs for the same job for 30 years. Right. But for Truman, his job isn't isn't a a thing that he does or he even chooses it's it's a very scripted thing like they probably would would make his job interesting by the people they add or make workplace drama for things well they set and that then, up toward the end where they're going to introduce a new love interest and she's a co-worker they're going to put in the desk desk right next to him you're like if if you have complete control over somebody's life what can you do or not do they you know orchestrate this thing where he's afraid of water or he's a, kind of afraid of dogs <laughs> They right. have the control center is in the moon. And I'm like, so does the does the moon not move? Like they established later that they can control the sun. Mm-hmm. But in Truman's world, is the moon in perfect geosynchronous orbit? So it uh, never appears to move. Which it could be. It right? could, I mean, right? Like it, they have it, control. Right. Then there's no internet. There's TV, but it's the TV that they present to him. Right. You know, his yeah. favorite show is always on. Like you have control over the whole thing which is interesting because like they do they they have control even in the 90s like you were noticed they're showing i love lucy shows they're showing it's all very 50s white america it's just this thing that they're that they're giving him um and and that's 
that's the interesting part is that you know we, it's not just a reality show that we're watching his boring old life it's it's literally every bit of it is scripted it you know, reminded it, it, me it reminded me of disneyland sure it's made for you to have an experience in the sense of like there is behind the scenes backstage stuff but he never yes. sees it exactly and if you go behind the stage it's just guys smoking and with you know the dwarves with their hats off it's normal like, hey, yeah what are you doing with my you know uh, man the old lady is last night girl i mean you know it's just stuff like that you don't <laughs> want to watch dopey right. doing but then you come out and they're just like the most lovable characters ever exactly you know when he sees the elevator type thing you yeah. know yeah exactly. um, so anyway that's 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 what made this show more interesting than the rest was that it's not just a it's not just the like reality TV part of it. It's that they control this person's everyday life for viewer entertainment. And you could see if that was a thing, moral, ethical stuff, you know, beside the point of, you know, a human being mm-hmm. is that is that uh, that would be engaging. That would be something that every week. I mean, I watch Survivor for Pete's sakes, and they intentionally add things to people to make <laughs> right. the the group have you know conflict or, or to have some kind of drama. You know, oh, we're, we're taking away this week's machete, you know, and that's that guy's one thing, or they're giving uh, you know whatever, and it's made intentionally to do these things. And if you can have full control over someone's kind of life with hundreds and thousands of people and actors, yeah, that's. That's more. That was the interesting part of this, this show that I I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and then and then, admittingly, there were some good things that Jim Carrey did do. I know I gave him a hard time, but like his his, his sea voyage was was good. Like had mm-hmm. some good emotional yeah. acting with it. Um, and you know, but then again, he turns around like he does the whole uh, good afternoon, good evening, and good night sign off, which was kind of good. But he did it in his Jim Carrey way, and I was like. Arr. <laughs> got it's you know his I mean, slappy yes he thing. is he is still jim carrey but it's that kind of like you know it's a it's shtick like anybody who listens to our show i know i hear it when i listen to the show every week i'm like mm-hmm. oh i always say the same things and like <laughs> right, yeah. people in real life say the same things all the time and so that right that i could see the the sort of genuineness of that. I, I, so, I, did, I did. I did like the fun parts of like him finally noticing. And, I, and that was the only other thing that was like, of course you, how would you not notice that the same people are walking by your thing every day on a loop? Right. Like, how do you not know that at eight fifteen it's always, a thing, and they're always pushing you against the wall at one point. You're like, dude, stop pushing me against the wall. <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Or, or how I know I randomly walk into a random place, you know, yeah. Right. Anyway, I, I know it's just a movie, but yeah, yeah. So I let, let's go to your uh, summary thing. Would you so final thoughts? Uh, would you yeah. call this a bucket list movie, a good good movie, or a movie you could skip? I don't know if I is there. Wait, I can't remember. You, you're, you're subtly changing these week to week, <laughs> changing the labels. So, yeah. So uh, wait. So good good and bucket list kind of mean the same thing. I, I think it's one you should watch once. A bucket list. One you should bucket watch. list means. You should watch it once. Good, good means it's good enough that you could watch it a couple times. You know, if somebody wants to watch it and you just saw it within the last year, you watch it again. Uh, I would I would put it as a bucket list. I think you can watch this movie once. I, I think you can go your life without watching it and you'll be fine. Um, but if you watch it, you'll be entertained and it'll be and you won't feel like you've wasted your time. Yeah, I mean, sense? there's. 
I had seen this enough times that I sort of knew all the high points and knew where the twists were coming and yeah, uh, yeah. and how the ending plays out. Um, and so for me, it was just to like watch all the pieces come into play. There's nothing super like surprising, foreshadowing, whatever. You just you just sort of know if you've seen it. Yeah. And you know, it's Which not like you really if you watch, watch Sixth Sense once, right? and then you watch it again, like you pick up all the little things. Um, yeah, I think I think if you haven't seen this, you should watch it once. It's an interesting concept. It's still, you know, the '90s were a time when we were just getting into the era of internet, and you know, we were still probably five, seven years away from social media, but you know, at a, at a um, at a wide scale, but um, wide scale doesn't seem like the right term. Uh, and so people were still fairly private. TV was still fairly scripted. Um, you know, the most unscripted thing that we had in the mainstream consciousness was like Jerry Springer show. Um, right. And now in 2019, we're in an era where people are much too public all the time. Like everybody's thoughts and are out there all the time and it's just a, a miasma of noise um right but to have this this kind of th- and so what i'm saying by that is like everybody's lives are constantly on display all the time but to sort of if you can sort of picture this this tv show existing in an era where tv was still all scripted and it, to be fair a lot of it is still scripted there's just much more reality now than reality shows yeah. now than there were um, and so I think it, all of that long explanation to say, I think it's worth seeing once. Yeah, I, I, I liked it. So what's next? What's next week? What do we got? Uh, next week we, we, have a, we have a movie called City of God. I have not heard of this. I think that, that is not the Christian Slater City of Angels thing, or, or Meg Ryan. I can't remember who's uh, uh, Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Oh God, thank God it's not that. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I remember no, liking not, that, but I don't, I don't think it was I very good. This one. No, City this. Of God. Uh, looking at the cast, I think this is a Spanish language film. I'll have to. Uh oh. I'll have to okay. double check. But uh, is it about heroin addicts? Uh, in the slums of Rio, two kids' path paths diverge as one struggles to become a photographer and the other a kingpin. Well, so okay. uh, Rio de Janeiro. That's. It'll be a, it's going to be a serious one, huh? Argentina? I'm not great with geography. <laughs> I don't know. South, South, South or Central America. America. South America, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, a serious one. Sit down and Yeah, it'll on. probably be a probably be a drama. Okay. The genre say my... crime, comma, and drama. Crime and drama. Crime and drama. Right, drama. I get it. We, it. It feels like uh, how I felt before we watched The Godfather type thing. It's like, it was, okay, this is, this is, a, <laughs> yeah. this is a thing we're yeah. going to all right, well, that's good. All right, I'll, I'll look. I'll look forward to that. Um, do we have anything else here? I have Tomb Raider on here, but the only thing I have to say about that is I finished the second game and immediately started the third game. The third game seems better so far. Hey, well, I will say we're a good hour into the show, and I want us to get on point, and we should go ahead and talk about our recent Game of Thrones stuff. So we, yep. we make sure we get what we want to say on this. Okay, if you're well way behind on watching Game of Thrones and you've not seen episode 5, um whose title yeah, I not don't even remember. way behind. If you're like half a minute behind, go go away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um or if you're not interested, we're, we're not going to talk about anything else so you can, you know, 
we'll, go listen we'll to you next week. Yeah. Go listen to <laughs> another podcast. Uh, okay, episode so, five, Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, you go ahead and go first because I have okay. some sort of strong emotional react. Whatever, <laughs> go ahead. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I will say, I want to. I want to send a shout out, so to speak, if that's even a term anymore, to the creators, the people, not the creators, the people who are actually creating the the picture and the thing we see on the TV. That's the, be it the actors and the CGI uh, women and men. Cast and, and crew. The, the, the set people, the makeup, because this is an incredibly amazing show to watch. I mean, it truly is. I, I think, I, I've said that, Whatever you think about the Hobbit movies, it was probably the best dragon you've ever seen on on, on film right. up to that point. Uh, it, it was incredible to watch, at least that. In, one. This one is the same way to watch. Not just the dragons, but on a city level and huge things. It's gorgeous, and the actors the, do um, a fantastic job. Yeah, in the in episode three, the longest night, which is the Battle of Winterfell, mm-hmm. people had varying reactions. But the strongest reaction was, why is it so dark? Right? Yeah. Well, it's night. It's so, it was a realistic a level of dark. And to me, that always looks like it's like doing action sequences with a lot of really fast cuts. Like, it looks like they're trying to save money, right? They're yeah. cutting the budget. And I agree. Watching this episode last night, I said, oh, I see now where all that budget money went. They went into this one. Yeah. And, and honestly, while this was great. I, if I had a choice, I would have made Battle of Winterfell with the Undead a, a thing that was more money in. But, but that's sure. beside the point. I totally get what you're saying, though, is that if if it wouldn't have been so dark, it would have been nice to have had an equal experience that we had last night on the show with that kind of production value on the, the Winterfell thing. Okay, that being said, I think that this has fallen down on the hands of the producers and the writers. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it's terrible writing. It's just extremely rushed everything makes no narrative sense to the last eight years and it is <laughs> and then the when i say pr- the product the producers because there is no way hbo said you have to end this show now because it's a worldwide phenomenon that makes them tons and tons of money and they're going to be making prequels out of the thing to continue on that money sure it had to have been the writers and the producers that said okay let's wrap our story up well um, there's a just to interject with that and i'm I don't, I don't know if this is a well actually one of our friends posted a thing where allegedly um martin has the the sixth and seventh books finished but he made a deal with the showrunners to not release those books until they were done with the show, really? which is it's kind a of a bold thing? claim. I don't know if I buy that, but if that's true, okay. if he's going to publish the books later this year, or he's going to publish six later this year, um, and they've wildly diverged from his path in the books, then yeah, they want to have the show done so they don't lose. You know, if they did season eight with a season nine in mind, and then he released book six, and it was so different from season seven of the show, they would the viewership would drop way off. I, honestly, I would. I it's a lot fair, of it's to, a lot of speculation. It's a lot I, of what I would if. disagree with that strongly because I I'm of the of the the sort that I think this is a lot about movies in general. It's that the people who are like the book people that like I watch this because of the books are probably 10% of the viewership. 
I, mm. I, I just do not think that everyone, because then why aren't the books like multi-billion dollar sales things? They make money, but the, mo- the show has way more viewers than just the books themselves are. Well, maybe, or maybe it's a significant enough uh, thing, or maybe they had a contract with him that said you can only, you know, Oh no! I you get this, I, you get that, this that many be, seasons and be. then it's done. But that doesn't that does play into your the producers, the showrunners, et cetera. So go ahead, finish your right. Right. Yourself. So anyway, I, I think that the producers were like, you know, here's the thing, we get it. And honestly, these people when they make these huge th- these shows, they're they're an exhausting thing in their life. It's it's a thing that they do, and movies and TV are not a, a a lifetime career like they used to be especially on Netflix, HBO, these kind of things these days sure. it's not it's not a you know 30 years that you're on a TV show. You hire on with the idea that you're going to be doing a thing and it's it's a thing and then it's over and it'll probably be canceled in 3 or 4 years. But something that goes on forever and then you're realizing that oh my gosh, I was 12 when I started and now I'm 30. You know, like <laughs> right, I, I right. want to do something else in my life or or even like I was 30 when I started and I'm, I'm you know, 42 now or something. And you're like, I they want to do other things. And especially the people that are behind the scenes, the producers and the writers and things, they want right. to do this stuff. So anyway, it feels like that they, they wanted to wrap up this story and it started last season. And this season is even a hundred times worse that every episode seems to be like closing a season's worth of information in an hour. And I just don't know what to think about it. I, none of the characters have time to breathe. None of the moments have time enough for me to fully appreciate. Cersei dies in this one with Jamie, and it just kind of happens. It doesn't, and then they're not even going to talk about it, probably. Well, it's strongly implied that they die. Well, sure. And, or Varys dies. Varys dies quickly. Varys, Varys definitely dies. Yeah, he dies, and then it it happens in like fifteen minutes. There was no long setup of it. There was no this like, oh, it may or may not happen. Kind of how Game of Thrones does. I mean, right. granted, there's always shock value stuff, but for the most part, you have these long agonizing deaths or this, you know, they twist the knife somehow. But no, this just happened, and like, okay, um, it just happened, I guess. <laughs> uh, which which I don't think services the characters of eight eight years that you've been watching this kind of thing. Uh, so anyway. It just felt extremely rushed, and then they just changed a whole character in one or two episodes. Daenerys is no one that I've seen her. I mean, kind of. There's been elements of this ruthless tyrant, mad mad queen person, but just here and there. This is like full-on murder empress where you're wanting, I, I wanted mm-hmm. Arya to come and stab her. <laughs> I wanted to argue like, oh, she's going to be like Mad Queen or kill you. And I would be like, yeah, you know what? She just murdered children and without remorse, you know? Sure. And so they just spin the series. What are they going to do in this last episode? They're going to be like, I mean, okay, John I th- murders Daenerys. I think, I mean, and I said this, I said this a couple weeks ago um, that I could send, maybe it was just last week when we talked about this. I could sense them building uh Daenerys up to be more ruthless to be more evil evil is a strong word but that's flat out Cersei level evil right with her her reaction to to John's parentage um her struggle with um 
you know, in last week's episode with Miss Sandy, um, mm-hmm. her conversation, confrontation with Sam about his father and his brother, um, they're, that they're slowly trying to build that up. I don't know that they've done that adequately. That's the problem is they didn't slowly. They just give you like two episodes and then this is a whole character arc. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. well, episodes, you know, an hour. These last two have been almost an hour and a half you know, movie length of time. It's It feels a little bit more like movie pacing where, you know, for seven years we've had Game of Thrones TV show pacing, which you're right, has been at a snail's pace. Yeah, I mean, Sandor Clegane took five years to finally progress from being a complete asshole. He's still an asshole, but mm-hmm. to somebody who is has a change of heart, right? That, right. that has completely changed or modified the way that he's you know seen the world and she does it in an episode and a half whether it's an hour or not right and it's not just her all sorts of characters are changing and and going and it's just i don't i don't know i our our buddy brian used to complain about the breakneck speed of last season when they would teleport they're traveling all over and i was very much rolling my eyes but man this is I get at least where he's feeling that, you know, yeah. it's like I, I, I want to say I did not watch these shows in real time. I watched from season one to season six. It, I binge watched those and then I watched seven and now eight in real time. Yeah. I mean, if you binge watched them, you might not feel the pacing of it change. Oh, no, I so did. That's as... the thing is that I felt even oh, watching it that yeah. that it it was a long these things took time to because the rest of us, uh, the rest of us who watched them as they came out, were like, "Here's an hour," and then you're like, "Oh, I gotta wait another week." And then after yeah, after bet. ten of those hours, you're like, oh, "Now I gotta wait another year." I bet. I bet. I bet awful. it was even way slower. Um, I'll tell you. So there were a couple things. Let's see. Yeah, sorry, I talked for a long time. It's you that's, go go ahead. That's it. fine. <laughs> I talked a lot during Truman Show, so I'm like, let me let, me let you start with this first. There's um, just a lot here, and I'm, I'm there's there's I'm a lot fine here. with it, but I just the yeah. So start off with good things. Okay. Uh, the three big reunion scenes, um, and I'm talking about Tyrion and Jamie. Uh, that was very good. Um, Arya and Sandor, Clegane the Hound. And sure. when when he tells her to leave, like he, you know, that's a good scene. Yeah, grabs her head and is like, "Don't, like, do you want to be like me? Get the f out of here." Yeah, and but see again, she, I, the Arya that I have known for seven or eight years never would have left. She is the faceless one. She's the faceless sure, man. Sure, she is the faceless the assassin man of all assassins. She's also now Arya Stark again, who just killed the Night King. Right, so she's yeah. she's going through a, you know, a, a different sort of thing. I don't know. Who knows? I don't they, even know. They clearly right? have to. They have something else to do with her because she ran around King's Landing wearing plot armor. Uh, yeah. That I that I didn't love, but just that scene. What is she doing? Like, what, with, what is the thing they're trying? Just maybe making the world more human. I don't is that her. I don't know. Thing? That's that's something we'll have to find out next week. Um, maybe. Maybe. Um, they're saving her for a spin-off show, probably. Though I said that last week, and now Sandor's dead, so obviously that's not going to happen. But that right. was a joke when I said it. Right. Um, I am glad that they showed his uh, Gregor. That yeah, they actually, that, did that that they got Clegane Bowl, the air yeah. horns, right? Ba, 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 ba. 
<laughs> right. Um, it, it happened. And it was and pretty satisfying. It was satisfying. Like, I would have liked to see Sandor live. But, like, diving into fire, you know, because that's the whole thing. He's afraid of fire. Um, was kind of poetic. Yeah. And, and, and that, you know, he, he knew his brother needed to die. Right. Like, he's right. a zombie thing. Right. Um, and the reunion between Cersei and Jamie was also kind of sweet in their weird twin kind of way. So, which, which is the thing that really bothers me is that what are you trying to do here? Are you trying to tell me that Cersei is a heartless, terrible person or that she has a silver lining? <laughs> At no point she goes from zero to 60 or zero to negative 60 to zero. It's just I don't understand it. You know, well, am I supposed to feel sympathetic for her when yeah. she murders babies or not? There's you know? that thing that we talked about last week that I don't want to get into again of the is this what is this? Is this a story with some lessons and some inspiring heroes and some, you know, villains that you learn from as a bad example? Or is this just a, a telling, a chronology um, right. And, and that second one to me is not very interesting. It just right. doesn't. It's yeah. very, it's very hard to pull off. Um, it's something that I think makes Lord of the Rings unique. Um, I think it's a thing that some people like a lot of people don't. Um, I don't know if I've said this on the show, but I'm generally not a fan of movies based on a true story because one, mm -hmm. they're usually not that accurate. And two, they're often depressing in their endings right right because it's reality it's at best it's going to be mundane and i'm like that's we're already well, living in mundane reality like i want some escapism right. here well, you which know is that, that one of the you know, things a thing that rings, changes with culture over the time and the one thing uh, about the lord of the rings movie is that it wasn't necessarily just that oh now we can finally do this movie this book justice is that the that the lord of the rings books were not great movie material. They just weren't good, right. like, story. Everyone will tell you, even the biggest fans, is it's not really a story. It's just things right. that happen. And right. the movies were very successful is because uh, Fran and uh, Peter, Peter Jackson, made, yeah. they just crafted the story. And they put these movies with a storylines, with beginning, middles, and ends. And right. they had these things. And all of a sudden... You're like the people are like, oh, yeah, but you left out Tom Bombadil and you left all these other things. Out. Yeah, the things that don't that are just not storyline stuff. Right. And with so if Game of Thrones is doing that, that's the part that you're supposed to leave that, out. Right. That you, know? you don't like. And that's and that's fine. I only I only use that as a like potential way to alter your perspective, because that's that's my thing. Right. I'm sure. always like, I, what are I your what do you expect? What are you expecting? And. Right. So so I started out I with that. those with those three things as like things that I enjoyed for their um for how touching they were, how sweet they were. I I, um, I can I can see that. I and I can appreciate that too. So those so second things. second I'll say the things that were satisfying in a kind of okay way. Um things that I that I feel a little bad about enjoying, but not what I'll get to in my part three. Um, okay. Uh, Euron's whole ships getting destroyed. That was mm. satisfying. It was very annoying that Danny That's and it. the dragon this week were 
had completely different level of capability as oh. last she, week. She I was went like, to, she why? went back to Dragonstone and was like, oh, there's my plot armor. I should have put that on. And like when that scene first starts, you're like, okay, she catches him by surprise by flying down with the sun at her back so they can't see, right? Yeah. And that's okay. But then now she can fly around and dodge and everything's fine. And I'm like, where was this last week? We could have just done this last week. Yeah, that, that's that's the real big thing is that last week they this these writers are driving me nuts because they put so much effort to make me see something one week. And then the, just two scenes it's later, just completely fine next. Yeah. Week. Like, like um, last week, they made me they, they clearly wanted me to hate Cersei and do everything back about that. And now they want me right. to feel Cersei. Right. Last week, they want me to believe that dragons are easily killed and she can die at any minute. And now they're like, nope, she can literally just one thing by herself. Don't right. need anyone. Because did once, she really need the Dothraki or anybody? No, she did It was weird to me that there were so many Dothraki left. It felt like they killed them all at the Battle of Winterfell to trigger Danny and make her take the dragons into early. And I'm like, yeah. okay, but yeah. they're How are where, there where are all these Dothraki around? come from? That's whatever. That's like nitpicky stuff. I'm like... It's pretty nitpicky, though. Or not nitpicky, because there was a lot. There was like... I know I what you're saying, understand. but I I like to I try to avoid that kind of stuff because it's so like armchair quarterback. Right? Uh, and e- even then, you still wonder like all these seasons that we had all this talk. She literally could have just flown flown Drogon over across the sea and just leveled the city. Right. I mean, and right? that's that you was that nothing. was a frustration for many years. Like the, the the conceit or the presumption is that she'd need an army or something to. To hold it, like you don't want to just fly over and torch the whole the whole thing, which is a which, which is, a whole is thing. what she did. Um, I enjoyed. Uh, I was I was generally satisfied with Varys's death, Varys Varys's death. Sure, ish. It felt noble ish for a. I'm, kind gl- I'm of glad that he did die a noble shady, death. Shady, shady, yeah. underhanded character. He's like, I hope that I'm wrong. He wasn't spoilers. Yeah, good, um, good actor by the way. He's just his whole time ex- on the show. Excellent actor. Um, Kyburn getting just casually killed off. I was like, yeah, that feels like Game of Thrones. I'm fine with him being casual. I'm fine with off. him. He was annoying. He brought freaking the mountain back to life as a zombie. Like, get just that guy's done. Um, he took over various's spot. Just ran- yeah, he was just yeah. Um, and the actor was just so so. Who else? There was. There's at least one more. Oh, um, Euron having his like awkward, incompetent duel with with Jamie was vaguely satisfying. Like I like to, I like that he's finally dead. He was an annoying character. Um, him getting that satisfaction is sort of undermines that. But that emotional I was not happy with any of that. By the way. Yeah, that emotional process is a thing that I associate with this show. Um. Some kind of emotional high followed by some crushing kind of disappointment or whatever in some way. Um, Jamie Jamie dying to Euron. Granted, he didn't die to Euron, but being stabbed by I was. That, again, Euron is I, probably my most hated guy because he's completely useless and he deserves He came out of nowhere. Guy. He's real cocky. Yeah. I yeah. don't I don't like any of that. But yeah. I keep going back to the duel between Ober and Martell and the mountain. This yeah. was in season five, I wanna say. Sure. Maybe six. Yeah. 
I don't remember how it plays out in the books, but you have this awesome scene where he's like Enigo Montoya, but with Mm -hmm. a spear instead of a sword. And he's like, he's, you know, doing sort of flips. He's spear dancer, whatever, Mm -hmm. repeating his same uh, line of accusation against the mountain and they duel and he, you know, gets him stabs him all that and you're like yeah that's great get rid of this monster of a man who pushed his little brother's face into the fire and i'll like the the mountain is set up to be hateful hateable you know right from the start and so you're like yeah get this guy and then in his last minutes of life you know puts his thumbs into over in martel's eyes and crushes him and crushes his skull and you're like okay well i felt really good for a minute and now i feel sad again yeah that's how that's how i think of this show and and that that was a successfully done game of thrones moment right right like and that that's i think that kind of stuff should be an indelible mark on this show what it's done to tv and culture is this this, that feeling you just described of like joy but then terrible sadness or back and forth and that was we've not had any of that here it's this last two seasons we've had like okay we're doing storyline of a classic tv thing oh no wait now we're trying to pretend like we're the last thing well you know just have emotions they don't in a longer slower way like last season was a lot of ups right i think a couple characters maybe got killed off but not that many you get to the end of the season and john and danny get together but you find out his lineage you get the you get the answer to the big um fan you know theory that everyone had for years um and then the the zombie dragon right that's a longer slower not quite as intense as that over in martell duel but it's that kind of thing that's that's what game of thrones means to me I'm, i'm just using that expression like yeah that's how i think of this show it's like it's a thing that's different from everything else it's not just a fantasy story with a with a really good budget um sure because you can see like not quite as good versions of that if you go watch like mtv's shannara chronicles right <laughs> it's pretty well made all the special effects are generally believable the actors are you know uh, um um like implausibly attractive but mm-hmm. you know it's that but there's nothing interesting about the story it's like they're the elves and the dwarves and they do the thing and they got to save the the holy tree or whatever it's really boring right this is like it's this thing and it's gritty and it's real and suddenly a guy that you thought was important who is your big you know beloved paladin ned stark gets just casually executed or even rob or rob with the red wedding you're like there's this guy and he's happily married he's got this sweet future and he's gonna nope murdered him his wife his mother all murdered yeah i mean so i I don't think that like those shock things to me were that big of a thing but i I mean if you're if you're going from the standpoint of like again just living in a world instead of having a story then that you're right that's a that's a well, if you're it's looking at this, it from that place, that's very interesting. It's this sense of in a in a genre permeated with tropes and in a in an sure. era of 
mainstream media being very um, uh, safe, conservative. I don't mean politically formulaic. conservative, like formulaic. Nothing, nothing that reaches mainstream popularity takes any kind of extreme risks. Well, the big thing about about it is that in the day, the information age, the the data and the information is so amazingly um influential no 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 it's i mean there's data science majors now that are you you, in the 50s and 60s sure you had a few people went to college and learned these things now you have entire generations who are data mining proper emotions on a scene from seinfeld sure i mean you you know everything is such a major factor yeah, everything is known about everything with television right. and media consumption at every minute. So when you create a thing, you know everything about the thing. It's hard to it's hard to come on a show like Game of Thrones and say, "Okay, and we kill a guy off." That's the main guy. It's it's hard to see that anymore to take right. those kind of Right. And no, so you that, don't do that. Data that, says you don't do that. That to me is a thing. I mean, my personal experience was I read the Wheel of Time series, and it's very, like, nobody dies. None of the main characters die. Some of the villains die and are brought back before the book series even ends so that they can become a different kind of villain. And you're like, ah, oh, the, the plot armor is so thick. And That's you why know, I stopped I, reading the Dritz books. It's the same thing. I, right. I read a couple other series, and they were the same way. And people said, well, you should read A Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, George R. R. Martin is not afraid to kill characters off. And I'm like... Okay, that sounds like something different. Mm-hmm. And that like that unpredictable nature of it, I think is part of the main hook. It's why people like watching stuff like Black Mirror, where you're like everything is so safe, it's so easy and happy, and even the drama, you know, comes back and everything's fine. Um, you know, here's a thing that's just dark the world is just crappy i'm talking about black mirror now everything is bad (laughs) and it just gets worse and i know for you and i we were like uh i that's too that's too dark like i don't yeah dial it back a little bit i would love to have a a middle and i had such high hopes for game of thrones where you could that it would inspire more originality with things like Mm. possibly killing off characters having real dynamic bad things happen to little kids not that i want that kind of stuff but you know that you have these things that are more realistic and a real world type stuff and mixed with modern storytelling techniques but just done in a totally different kind of way because i think aria is a perfect example of someone who you don't necessarily see coming of where she ended up right Mm. i mean i don't think throughout the whole series you knew what was going with her she was just a compelling character Right. That became this person who we are now. Even to a, uh, a certain point, Sansa is the same way. She is who she is now because of the, her life that she's led. Sure, that's. I mean, that's the thing that Bran keeps telling people when they when they come to find him. So, just to to finally get to the third thing oh, that yeah, I teased yeah. earlier. Here, here are the things. Wait, this is your happy part. You love, right? This is all the great. No, 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 no. The the positive, good stuff was at the beginning. (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, I just want to make sure. One second. (laughs) My computer locked because I hadn't. uh... Um. Okay, here's the moment where I sort of like sat up and cheered, which I feel kind of bad about in retrospect. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like. Okay, I can sort of 
reason out and understand why I had that reaction. Okay. Um, when I can't, I can't think of any part you would cheer in this movie. I can't, this yeah, I know. I know. That's why I was like, okay. I saved this for the end. Um, when Danny decides, you know, they do this like Targaryen is born flip a coin thing, which I don't remember hearing before, but that doesn't I don't mean remember it, it either. They, they, but they, they didn't say that it before. Back, but yeah. it's like, here are these two Targaryens. And everyone has been saying since whatever, since we found out who the Mad King was that Jaime murdered. Because like everybody calls him the Kingslayer. He killed the king. Like it, right. it's this horrible thing. But then he, in a quiet one on one moment with somebody, is like, I was the only one there in the throne room with Mad King Ares. And he knew that there was all this um, dragon fire or wildfire under the under the city. And he was just like, burn it, burn it all. He was crazy. He was the mad king. And he it's, needed it's honestly to- one of the things that's made me like Jamie of all the people on the whole show right. is because right. he it's is like he- the actual paladin. But a, ter- a fallen paladin, I guess you'd say, is that right. he's a very he's- human paladin. Right. Because I, th- I think people who who are good, honest people do have bad things that they choices that they make in life. But they're still. And so and so when right? Danny has that moment where she's, you know. She's had all of this success in, like, taking down all the scorpions, those big um, yeah. uh, crossbow things. Like, she With just won all this stuff, and she's like, you know what? Screw it. Like, that's that's rough, and that's awful. When they move down from that to um, John and Davos and Grey Worm facing yeah. off against not innocent children, soldiers, soldiers. Lannister soldiers. Yeah. And... You can see in in Grey Worm's acting, he's like, he's just pissed. He's like, he's like, these are these these are these guys. These are these soldiers. Like, you think about his whole life. Like, he was abducted as an orphan, castrated, and trained to be a soldier. Like, mm-hmm. he had nothing but this, and then he found this love, and then she got murdered or executed. Right. right. And he like, he like, and you see John like you know shaking his head no and he grabs the spear and he throws it and i was like yes which <laughs> is a terrible way to react um, i'll I'm a, i'll admit to that <laughs> okay after the episode was over there's like more and more destruction and i was just like i was like you know this is this is the unpredictable horrible soul-sucking tragedy that the show has not had since um stannis baratheon let um melisandre burn his daughter at the stake and i was like what is this what the f is this show they just keep escalating this right and i realized after the show was over and i posted stuff in the group chat and i kind of sat back and thought about it and i said i think there are two things happening here for me you know just self analyzing um i was very dissatisfied with the battle of winterfell right and we talked about it on the show because it's like i expected a lot of people to die people die in this show it's one of its like core characteristics and we had this big battle and almost nobody died yeah you know like three or four people out of you know a dozen 20 main characters who were there at winterfell and so when we got to this and people just started dying left and right obviously all these innocents are murdered and that's awful it's also not real so yeah but but nobody died in this episode uh sandor Sandor and the children. <laughs> well, Sandor and Cersei, I guess. supposedly 
Jamie and Cersei, Kyburn, uh, the Mountain, um, Euron. I mean, all, more all than, the bad guys, you're right. Like, all the bad guys die. Right. And and that's, you know, the bad guys. Like, you want the bad guys to get killed. That's a normal uh, yeah. sort of thing. Plus, Sandor. But they died he went out in a noble minutes. way. Yeah. Um, and By the so way, I th- they died with, besides the mountain, they died with very little resistance. Like, there was not an epic fight. There was not a big thing. Nothing. Like, it wasn't anything. Also, also, uh, Varus. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Varus, yeah. And I don't so, mind people dying. I was just like... Okay. So, I think that, that, for me, was a combination of... This is sort of what I expected. I expected something awful with a lot of characters just getting killed off. Mm-hmm. The other part of it... And so, that was like my, like... Here's the payoff from my frustration at the Battle of Winterfell. Sure. Whatever. Okay, so, that. there's that. The other part of it, I think, is a more meta high level thing of like if you're not it's some some kind of like screw it kind of thing like if you're not if you're not going to end the story in any kind of truly satisfying way then you might as well just burn down the whole damn city (laughs) because why not why not If, if you're already if you're already ruining it just ruin it all the way yeah, I mean, they, which is su- surprised to me to hear, actually, because as I got done watching this episode, I was expecting to listen to you tell me out of <laughs> anger how much that they wrecked your favorite character or second favorite character in Danny. I'll tell you, and I'll tell you my biggest, uh, my biggest a-hole reaction, right? And I'm, I'm owning this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, as a... I'm going to call myself a casual book reader. I read the books, but I'm not as in love with them as our buddy Brian. Yeah. Um, It annoyed me very much for the first three, four seasons. And this is probably still happening, although less so since she sent Jorah away. Mm -hmm. So many people thought Khaleesi was Daenerys' name. Right? It's not her name. It's a title. It's a a Kalasar, a Dothraki, quote-unquote, queen. They don't have queens, but... Right. You know, the wife of the tribal leader, the call. Right. Sure. And people thought that was her name. And I'm like, no, you're wrong. You're idiots. Right. And <laughs> people, just like they do with Elsa and Ariel and whatever famous female characters, probably we've got baby Rays by now, not the barbecue sauce. I mean, R-E-Y. Right. Um, people would name their baby daughters Daenerys or Khaleesi. And I'm like, okay, first of all, if you named her Khaleesi, (laughs) that's like naming your daughter Queen, which I know that people do, but it sounds like the name of a pet to name somebody a title. Sure. Um, And so for all of those parents out there that named their daughter Khaleesi and now had to watch her brutally burn to the ground and mass genocide an entire it it made me a little bit happy and i admit that i'm an a-hole for thinking that (laughs) well i just you know they they just butcher i i you know i can appreciate you saying what you said about like just burn burn the whole show down might as well because Tyrion has stayed pretty much Tyrion. i think him and john in this show have made it their characters have made it through this season and last season a lot right. of other characters these last two seasons since the writers taken over and man i can't believe i'm coming down the side of these that writer these tv writers aren't great 
but um, they have completely done character suicide on characters. Uh, sure. With with six seasons of true character growth or changing, good or bad, within characters, they've really, you know, just decided, okay, we're going to do our own thing. And mm-hmm. and this and this um, Daenerys change. You can argue all you want that she had some tendencies. Sure, tendencies are different than you know destroying a city, massacring you know, I burning mean, alive in, intentionally in books, children and, and in the books she's useless because they've just um, where the books have ended is where she flees a city and some Dothraki find her. But up until then, like she comes into that city burns the slavers alive and frees all these slaves and you're like sweet that's cool and then she does nothing for like two and a half books she hangs out in the city and sleeps with that one guy a lot yeah and that's why everybody is like go to westeros and read like aren't you a thing that's important and they you know in the show she has so much screen time and she has this whole relationship with john that you you know it makes her more and more sympathetic right I wonder, and, I wonder if I wonder if that was something that uh, you know what now that I think about it, there was the whole thing about him him giving them direction for how the, the series is going to end. Maybe right. in his books he is not going to write her as a sympathetic character that that like she know, won't become as sympathetic. I mean, yeah, they won't have this love affair. She might have some love with John or some kind of a thing, but nothing is what we're seeing the chemistry between Kit and Harrington. And, and that's and been a whole thing. Like she has that conversation with Tyrion last season, season seven, where. You know, he, like this and this and the Mad King and like, is she, is she mad like Target, like, like yeah. her father was like clearly her brother Viserys was, you know, he wasn't really insane. He was just stupid. Yeah. May, may, uh, maybe Martin just came back down and said, okay, here's what we're going to end up. We're going to end up with the, the Mad Queen comes back over, destroys all of King Landing, kills Cersei and everything. And then she sits on the throne as a mad person. And the hero John comes and saves and becomes the king at the end. Sure. Maybe, I also maybe don't that's know. that's what he told them. You know, and I, they're like, okay, I, well, here's what we do. I don't know how true this is, except our, our buddy Brian, who've mentioned a couple times long, you know, he read these books as they were coming out, hmm. uh, said that Martin is a. Um, he's anti-war, so I guess to me that makes him a pacifist. Uh, he's in the right age range where he would be an old hippie. Sure. And so you can see the mindset of somebody like, yeah, there are these dragons. They're a metaphor for nukes. Yeah. And when you use the dragons, there's collateral damage. Yeah. And that was the ending he had in mind all along. But because it's been so long in the show since we've had a true Martin-esque tragedy... Uh, we have all kind of forgotten. And that's what made this show, if not satisfying, I think in the group chat, I called it cathartic. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, sure. Just be done with it. Yeah. Just nuke the whole thing. Yeah. And and that's kind of a, that where I got, I, I've gotten frustrated at every episode this season is that I am fine with the arcs that they're taking on these people. They're just doing it a lot in one episode that yeah. should, like, you can't change seven seasons or six seasons of character arc and then just spin it like the idea of Danny being bad. Okay, fine. That if that's what you want to do, you know, make that happen, but don't do it in two episodes. Just, right. you know, when you spend right. 300 episodes going one way and then two episodes and it's the, and we're going to be left with that. That's the big just, thing is that I'm going to be left in, in a, a month's time thinking like, Oh, the last year season was really the story. Cause that, 
made no sense. It, it was yeah. beautiful. It just it's, wasn't real. It was just a fanfic. It's it's know. like it's like what happened to Lost, and it's you know we've talked a lot about like different. Lost. Yeah, that's a, a good. A that's different a good st- different styles of writing, like without without this this um, foundation, without this slow meandering because. If you read any of the books, Martin is by no means an efficient writer. <laughs> no. In any well, he, sense. We like, said this before. He probably doesn't long, have a story. Long, before. elaborate descriptions of like what food is served at a meal and really just so much noise in all the mm-hmm. writing. But he has these very slow character development arcs that they had to follow for the first five or six seasons. Mm-hmm. And now without that, they're like, oh, we really, we all love john and danny and we want them to get together and be happy and you do that but then also martin told us that at the end she has to go crazy and burn down the city so but he didn't tell them that we'll until, just save like, that until the last minute yeah or he did not tell them that until like season seven like i know that they came out and said when they're we're in the writer's room that that's when they asked him he did not tell anyone the ending until because mm. he thought he was going to have the books out he kept yeah. promising the books for the entire show i mean who knows all of that stuff is like we none of us know, no, right? But like they, it, it and they can all say stuff, and know. it's he's he said she said kind of thing. Yeah, but. I mean, it does make sense. That that actually makes a lot of kind of a sense. Is that if if you were setting up a thing and you were thinking it was going one way, and then you know then he you comes in and says, "Oh, by the way, way yeah. I'm planning actually for it to be a, a total switch," which does feel like a Martin thing, right? Like I'm going to just sure. totally ch- shake things up. That they'd be like, oh, God, we were going this way, and <laughs> all right, we got six episodes. Uh, anyway, the the long of this is that I don't know why, I honest, besides the fatigue point of the crew, cast and crew, why this needed to be done in six episodes hmm. in two seasons. It, it, I mean, who knows yeah. about that production? Yeah, that, that's a weird thing. Schedules and planning and, um, and but, all that stuff. But it's the same, you know, I'll say the same thing I said last week. Um, which is just a short version of what I've been saying for the last half hour. Um, you know, if you've been paying attention to this show, you should have expected a kind of crappy ending, or at least a like, eh, that was all right. Well, I, you know I, me, I, I, always, kinda, I always I feel kind of dead that, inside. That you always hope for the happy ending, the happy or or the, not yeah. happy ending, but the satisfying, satisfying. Ending. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if everyone died, I actually would have been satisfied, even if I didn't like that. Right. If the Night King wins at the end, at, at least that's a thing. Right. Yeah. Th- this feels I think character assassination is the most unsatisfying ending you can have. Yeah. And, and I know that's that's the phrase I want to use with Danny is that they've gone character assassination with her. And I, at this point, there is no John and Danny. There is. Yeah. They I either. Think there's no king and queen ruling at the end. No, no, no. Not a chance. And yeah. they either. They either assassinated her character to make her evil last night, or they assassinated her a year ago by making her really sweet and loving and sympathetic to get us to this point. Which, to be fair, to me, feels like a, a real Game of Thrones thing to do. Yeah, the, the, it's, it, it sucks that, you know, we can't even have, um, uh, you know, Danny was such a nice hope things. since season one was such a hope. <laughs> She is she is a, a murderer of that character. So um, I guess John is our only hope, right? I mean, yeah, yep. that actually sucks because you know I don't want to be political on this, but having you know a white dude, you know, paladin kind of character be the that seems like the antithesis of Game of Thrones. I mean, it's there are fu- no, it, 
There are no people of color in Westeros. I, They're all over the sea. Right. But still, that's what you end up with? Is this? Is like... Yeah, it's pretty bland. That that's pretty That does not feel like this, this show that we've been watching. And I'm fine with a different spin on that at the end with him winning or becoming the king. But this now they're just going to end up with that, and they're like, okay, this is what we got. Yeah, okay. I. Yeah. You know what? On the converse side, I'm actually considering reading the last book or two. I mean, that's <laughs> because we'll see something different, maybe. You know. I mean, I know you hate reading, so I, well, uh, at least these because those books are pretty damn dry. They're they're a, they're. A, yeah. a you know what? Times. How about if I let you read them and tell me if you think that it's worth a read. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I recommended you my favorite book of all time, and you still haven't read it. So, I mean. <laughs> okay. All right, let's let's wrap this up. Yeah, yeah. Long enough. You've been listening to Front Porch episode ninety. Thanks as always to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News. They talk about movies, so they're probably not talking about Game of Thrones, but they'll probably talk about that uh, Spider-Man trailer we talked about last week. Check them out. They're they good stuff. Uh, if you like listening to us and our three other friends, we do a Star Trek role-playing podcast called Klingons and Dragons. It's not safe for work. We put up a new episode last week, a week and a half ago when this show airs. Uh, if you want to send us your thoughts, hot takes, gut reactions to Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 5, you can email us at frontporchpod at gmail.com or go over to our website, frontporchpodcast.com. we got contact form there. We've got the schedule for the 100 movies. As I said earlier, our next week's movie is a movie called City of God. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, anywhere podcasts are found. Thanks as always for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For The Front Porch. See you guys. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.